0: this is fam electric ghost and we're live on the air i um, for the first time with marcus norman and uh, we'd like to thank you for being on the show and we do have to mention a sponsor we are on newsly which you can go to your ios or android store and use coupon code ghost 2021 to get one month free premium subscription so you can stop scrolling and start listening so they take any kind of podcast like this that's video and translate it to audio so you can have it on the go and and this podcast episode will be on newsly after like an hour so you can check it out there with all your friends and get one month free premium subscription if you use ghost 2021 you'll get that so thank you again for being on the show
1: absolutely thank you for having me it's an honor i appreciate it
0: so we we typically uh, have this format where we go Kind of stream of consciousness, like live asking people questions about who they are. We tend to talk about people who are creators, but you have a lot of different businesses and you have another podcast and we've been opening up our podcast to talking to other podcasters. So i see that you have a multitude of businesses, a bunch of different things you want to go into. So I'm not sure which one you want to focus on. I know you have your gentleman style podcast and you have your investment firm. And you, uh, you, you So, which one do do you really want to focus on tonight?
1: Um, let's focus on uh, podcasting. How about that?
0: That's cool. So, what what made you get into what, what 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 brought you into this scene?
1: Uh, what brought me into the scene of podcasting was uh, people were not doing well, and you had to go to a multitude of different spaces and places to find information on particular topics that you're interested in, for example, real estate, um, money, finances, investing, recession, COVID-19, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Pandemic and the vaccine. And so I wanted to go into podcasting because I wanted to help people um, do better. And I wanted to provide a single source, whatever the topic may be, um, with a foundation based on God and Christianity. Um, but I wanted people to have a single source that they could go to and reference um, to find those experts, to find the help that they need, whether it be in the mental health space, whether it be banking or finance or investing, or whether it be real estate or whether it be sex. Right. And so my podcast helps in a number of different areas so that we can do better.
0: Well, that's a that's a cool thing to be into. What year did you get into this? Just just recently. Or you've been doing
1: it since the, the pandemic? I've been podcasting since 2014. Get that. So 2014, but it was revamped in the pandemic. So I used to do a talking point where I was just speaking to the audience. And I was mm-hmm. just talking to the audience. And then during the pandemic, um, someone reached out to me. It was a young lady. And she reached out to me because she found my podcast. And she said, I would like to be a guest on your show. And that flipped the switch for me, and I was like, "Let me not Change. be the expert. Let me switch it." And so, ever since her, I've invited guests onto the show, and now guests are starting to find me, and um, it's been it's been amazing ever since. And so, I revamped the show to what you see now in tw- mm. in the pandemic.
0: Now, previously, was it audio only, or, or were you always video?
1: It was previously audio only with some video. So mm-hmm. it was always audio. I started with audio and then I would do snippets of lives and discussions. And like I said, I was just talking to you with what I was expert in finance, real estate, and those areas. And I was just talking to the audience and, and writing down a script and talking to you. And, mm-hmm. um, but it was so very, so often you'd get a video of me talking to you, but it was primarily audio only. Yes.
0: Yeah. Cause I started back in 2016 and I'm a primarily a music producer, and some guy found me on my SoundCloud, and he was on an app called Spireman, and Spireman was an audio app that was previous to like Anchor, and uh, I started there, and then I moved to Anchor. They actually pointed me to Anchor because I was doing all these international calls with musicians like in Australia and Japan and all these places, and then the app stopped working. It wouldn't do a call in Japan. it used to it would be able to do one in Australia and then suddenly it couldn't. So I asked them what's going on and they say, Oh yeah, we're, Apple iOS made a change and we can't do it, but anchor can. And I was like, that was really cool. Cause business people, they realized they couldn't do it and they pointed me to a company that did. And I never seen that before. So I thought that was pretty cool.
1: <laughs> that is, that was, that was a sweet pivot.
0: Yeah, it was, it was, it was really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> And then, then I found StreamYard and I started interviewing bands and I had always been focused on bands, right? And and then I got into actors and then I got into influencers, then I got into other podcasters and now I talk to mentors too. And, and I thought the video gave you an element that, you know, I've been for years doing audio, but I really loved the video and I wanted your opinion when you switched from audio to video, did you really, was it like a revelation in terms of like what you could do with it?
1: When I switched to audio to to video, it was a revelation for me. It was a huge stepping stone for me because that it was next level. We always want to know what's next level for us. And so that was next level for me. It's like, okay, now I got to show my face. I can't hide behind because you can you know, yeah, I, as yeah. a music producer, you can hide behind the audio all day. No one knows yeah. you know what you look <laughs> like or who you look like. And you can sound like whoever due to sound effects and, you know, T-Pain, oh, yeah. right? So, yeah, yeah. The, so I can sound like whoever I want. But when you go live, it, it's next level. It really changes the dynamic. And now you have to be kind of a different person, a different presenter. Yeah. You're in the entertainment business once you go live.
0: Yeah. And one thing I found is, like, did you ever want to totally control your podcast and not do live? and actually do it recorded and then edit, or were you the kind of person said, Hey, you know, I don't have a problem going live, like a radio show. I'm going to go live. Did you ever kind of think about like, I want to make it perfect. So I'm actually going to edit before I publish or did, were you always live?
1: It, um, Originally. So yes, I wanted full control. Um, and so I wanted that full control. I wanted to edit it. I wanted to polish it. I wanted to make it sound perfect. And you know, like I said, I had a script for my Mm -hmm. audio so i would write down what the talking points how long i'm going to stay on a particular topic um because when you go live like like you said it's a different ball game and you have to you're you're you can't you can't you got to be on it you have to be in it yeah um (laughs) (laughs) you can't you can't be reading from a script because no one knows um but it was it was a different atmosphere so when i when i went live with it um, it it made me better. It made me a better pop. So, a little backstory about me: my dad was a disc jockey. Okay, and so
0: have some background.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so he spoke well, and he was, you know, he was known as Mojo D, And I would always hear him. He always had the latest records, always had the the, the hottest songs. And um, just growing up listening to him, honing his craft, honing his skills. So it rubbed off on me. And so I yeah. said, I could do this. And so yeah. now, you know, this is what I do <laughs> with podcasting. I'm a personality, right? You see my personality yeah. and it comes out.
0: Well, I think it's really interesting um, because like I talk to musicians and I, I am a musician, I'm a keyboardist. I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm a old school, like Roland Moog Yamaha Hammond, B3 type of guy, you know, parliament, funkadelic. I grew up listening to James Brown. My, my 55, my dad had chess records. He had all the Motown. He had all the, all the soul records. And and my my older brother had Hendrix. He's like seven years older. And I'm like, wow, funkadelic Hendrix Brown. I'm like, that's it. And I and then I got into Sun Ra and Miles. And I'm like, yeah, that's it. And I, I just, I just like this focused on music. And uh, and then I found that music you know, interfaces with, with art. You know, you have to have, you know, to deal with photographers, you deal with artists, you deal with actors and music videos. And I started expanding, you know, into, into now talking to other podcasters and it, you know, going live. One of the reasons I like to do that is I do what I call stream of consciousness recording, I kind of do jam band, jam style recording where I just do live recording and let it go onto tape and then listen and work on things. And I found that doing podcast in that manner. It's kind of like, you know, a jazz band that goes into a fusion kind of situation. They come back to the main theme. They come back into going out. And I was like, yeah, I like that. I I like that. Feels better to me. Feels more natural to me. So did you, I think it seems like you had the same kind of revelation.
1: It did. It did. Once I I did several interviews and, and interviewed some folk, it did become natural to me because, and I really didn't even realize how, how good at it i could have been and i was like once i once i interviewed that first guest my very first guest um i i i wanted more i wanted to do it again i wasn't scared of it i wasn't deterred from it i was like oh man that was horrible i don't want to do it again like kind of like you i wanted to perfect it and i've Mm -hmm. always been that way i've always wanted to perfect the things and become really good at what i'm doing and so i was i was in it once i once i went live with her And I did a whole episode. I literally ended the show and I was like, whoo, when's the next one?
0: (laughs) (laughs) When's my next one? Now, you said people were coming to you, but how did you start getting guests? Like, like I found, I have a way I did it, but I want to hear how, how did you approach like once you decided you weren't going to just be the center and you were going to bring in guests, did you have like a plan on how to get guests?
1: Absolutely not. <laughs> so so that's the the lady that reached out to me. I asked her because when she emailed me I was shocked. She emailed me and she said, "Hey, I want to be a guest on your show. I want to talk about relationships." And I said sh- and and I had no setup, I had no camera, I had no microphone. I had a, a I had a uh blue yeti. This is the, my very first. <laughs> this is my yeah. very first microphone. This is all I had. And yeah. she's like, "No, I want to go live." And I said, "Sure." I had no idea what I was doing and I had to figure out how to go live within a week. And And were you
0: like physically was she physically coming to to your studio to do it with you or doing it online?
1: She was doing it online, similar to this, (laughs) just like this. And um, I had to figure it all out in a week. (laughs) Wow.
0: At the at that time, what 2014? Did you did they have a tool like StreamYard? Did they have like a restream? Was this so a what do you do
1: like youtube so what i did is i did, what did i do i so 2014 is when i started podcasting when i found when she found me it was probably i want to say 2018 um mm-hmm. 2017
0: right okay. before
1: everything kicked off so StreamYard was around then and yeah, yeah. so i reached i did some quick research i said StreamYard. there's other platforms there's restream there's zoom and i didn't yeah. want to do zoom yeah. And so I wanted to, to, to be able to manipulate my guests on screen and do a whole bunch of stuff. And that's how I found the platform that I am. And then I interviewed her on StreamYard, and that's what I use. Mm-hmm. Uh, unbeknownst to her, I, she, and she told me after the show, I laughed. She's like, this is the most professional show I've ever been on. I said, thanks. No <laughs> idea. I just slapped it together. No idea.
0: Well, you did the research, and that's the cork. You know, I, I did as a musician, I like this platform because I can hook my mixer up to it. And then I got this mic, and podcast. You know, a company gave me this mic, and it's like I started getting opportunities where, where like because I'm talking to musicians, I start getting gear, talk about gear, talk, you know, be able to get into it. And, and I'm I'm already knew about mics because I'm a musician, and then I knew about mixers. And I said, well, how do I get a podcast mixer? So I started doing the research and figured out which one to get. And, and then I said, well, I could use some of my vocal, mi- you know, mics that I already had for for recording albums but i said well I, there are some things i want to do with like a radio type of voice and they, you know preamps and i started getting really deep into all that production stuff but you know you don't have to you know when i first started on anchor i was just used my phone <laughs> what you know yeah yeah i was just using the phone for the first year i just used the phone <laughs> well
1: that's really good that is really good. I mean, the phone quality today is, is superb, right? You'd never know. Oh, yeah.
0: Like an iPhone at the time, it was doing all right. It's just not as good as what this can do. This can do a lot better. And, you know, being able to use webcams and OBS and all kinds of other stuff you can use. But, yeah, there's a lot of tech you can get into. But I just like the, the feel. And I think this is what the thing, like from going from an audio podcast where you don't see your guests. So you don't see the body language, you don't get the cues. When I started getting the video, and I actually, you know, it was really cool to actually physically see the person. And I think that did that really. I think that actually makes you a better interviewer when you can actually, you know, pick up on the cues that people are giving you. Yeah. Visually.
1: Very true. Very true. You're so so
0: right. So, um, so like I started finding guests because I'm on Instagram. Right. And tons of musicians are there. And my approach was I put out posts all the time. And then when another musician actually said they liked my post, I actually had a pitch saying, Hey, I interview other musicians. Do you want to come on the show? What's your, your time zone? And I started getting people from Australia and Europe and, you know, Japan, like everywhere. And I was like, wow. And I have just been doing that. I've done like, over oh, 750 episodes, you know, since I started and exactly. it, it just, it just exploded. I mean, I've interviewed two Grammy award-winning produ- producers and they just found me kind of like people start finding you. Did you start getting, is it, who's the most interesting person that actually came to you rather than you going to
1: them? Um, whew. Who's the most interesting person that found me? <sighs> the most interesting, I've had some very interesting guests. I, I've had some very interesting guests, I to say the least. I I guess for me not too many. I mean this 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 so okay, I'll give you this. Um the most interesting guests I had. So my podcast is called Gentleman Style Podcast, God Family Um Self Finance. The most interesting guest that would contradict my podcast, seemingly contradict my podcast, is Mr. John Foles. He is he owned a PR company and he did a documentary, a film. He edited, created it, produced it, film on his own. um, And he talks about um, Christians leaving God and leaving Christianity and most people would who have a podcast with a foundation of god would not have him yeah. and so when i <laughs> when 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 we when we chatted and when we talked he was kind of, he pushed me away at first because he's like oh you're like everybody else you're just going to you know try and convert me you're going to try and get me back to christianity i did not take that approach with him and mm-hmm. that to date that has 8000 views um, i think that
0: that's really cool because like to have an open open uh discussion. You know, some people can kind of get stuck in their lane. You know, in you know, my industry, you know, people get like analog versus digital. And that's not as heavy as God or not God. But yeah, there are some people who are really crazy about it. They were like, like I'm not using digital. I'm only doing analog. And if you try to tell them something else, they're like, Nope, I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> so- <laughs> So, you know, it's not as heavy as what you were saying, but I understand the kind of dynamic. Like, if you, you get somebody's like, well, I don't want to deal with that that Jones out there, that fan, I mean, he's always doing all this analog stuff, and that's, like, old. That's, like, 70s. We're not, we don't live in the 70s. But it's <laughs> you
1: know? still necessary, and it's still reliable, right? Yeah. Analog I, I still, versus digital yeah. USB, it's more reliable. It's more clean. It's clear.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's why I have a Moogs. i got, like, three Moogs, because there's something about it. You know, if you ask, like, Bernie... Warl from funk like you're like why did you play Vogue? because it made the funk <laughs> You know, it's, it's part of that why did stevie play it because it's it's funky it actually has a lot of a bass it's booming and, and it's it's more it has more sound at a bottom than a digital device it actually feels more like a real bass something that bootsy would play it, that that's why you use it
1: yeah i agree I agree. See, this is the DJ talk. See, he's speaking to my inner um, uh, a DJ, uh, disc jockey in in me. Uh, and dad, I hope you're watching. So I hope I'm making you proud right now. <laughs> but my dad so, would love so to on, keep this. Up. So on
0: your show, you you said you do like culture, relationships, uh, dating, and everything in between. Like so, like what's the most popular topic, or does it doesn't matter because you're kind of you have a very wide canvas of what you talk about. Do you tend to have more like shows about dating or or relationships, or is there any particular area that you you find yourself doing more than others?
1: Um, so no particular. I I think I do very well in spreading it out. To date, my most viewed interview that I've done is an interview I did on real estate and real estate has been a topic since the dinosaurs. I feel like everybody has a real estate podcast. So that interview um, has, I think it's over like 30,000 views right now Um, Mm -hmm. and is, and is continuing to rise. But I think I really specialize in the taboo, right? The unique. So a very powerful interview that I did um, that's doing well is also is how to start your own ATM business. Oh, wow. um, that's that's unique. It's different. It's not the traditional, you know, let me tell you the five keys to success. Right. Even though that's necessary, people want to know step by step. People want to know what's doing, what what people are doing right now. Not necessarily things that um, I have to work on. I have to develop or mindset shift. Those are, are still good, but they have their time and place. Tell me the secret to money right now or tell me the secret to better sex right now or tell me the secret to bitcoin and cryptocurrency right now as it stands. And I think that's where I really am honing my craft in um um so that's why I typically do that so I I do a really I think I do a really good job of spreading it all out. I don't do too much real estate, I don't do too much relationships, I don't do too much investing. I kind of balance it all out and and very
0: expansive. expansive. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I I spread it out. Um, I I try to really spread it. I don't want to become a real estate podcast, if that makes sense.
0: Well, I think that's why I started opening up from just dealing with music. Now, there's not a super amount of podcasts that focus just on music. In fact, that you know, since I started, it's actually started to drop down where where other things are more get more views. But but I've been able to expand into other areas in the same way that you 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 had the real estate, you have dating, you have all, all these other things that I started getting into these other things that I still find uh interesting and it can actually help my audience. I started talking to like, you know, SEO experts. Yeah. So people who are musicians, they need to do better SEO to Get their stuff out there, right? I talk to vocal coaches because if you're a singer, you probably be cool to have an hour-long lesson from a real good vocal coach that actually could teach you something. So I, I try to have these kind of teaching moments. So do you feel like you're actually like a teacher?
1: I, I think so. I think I think I'm a teacher, I'm an educator, I, I'm a mentor and a guide. I want to guide people on what's happening now because I want I truly want to help people. Um, and, and, and you, you just brought up a really great point. Um, I had to expand the show. It, most people, when they hear gentlemen style podcast, they think the show is for men. Um, yeah, and yeah. originally, originally it was originally when I first, first started, I said, this is a podcast just for men. I'm going to just help my men. I'm going to just be out there for my, and then I realized I had a very hard time getting men on the show. <laughs> <laughs> so I was struggling with getting men on the show. And more and more I was getting more women, more women were just more open to sharing. They were more open to to giving back. And so I I struggled with that. And I just said, you know what, I want to help everybody. And so now I really advocate for pushing guests who 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 can help both sides, not just men, not just women, whatever information, whatever it is you have to share has to benefit both men and women. And so that's been my, I had to transition. That was my pivot. So you just that, reminded me of that. I had to switch up my mindset. That's very
0: interesting because like one of my big um, kind of claims of fame is like, I tend to interview 80% of my guests that were musicians were female singer songwriters. <laughs> there were emerging artists worldwide that weren't getting attention because they weren't getting booked on like the typical, uh, music podcast they were only one to talk to the guys they only wanted to talk to the male-centered bands and so they couldn't get on and then i found an issue i started getting tons of like female singer songwriters from around the world you know yes. sweden japan i'm actually working with a japanese producer a lady who's like fantastic who lives in tokyo and and i'm working with a south african lady that's a video game developer doing a soundtrack on her video game because I, 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 many years ago, I decided, like, why not talk, listen to some of the the women artists are actually doing very interesting things in music that people sometimes don't pay attention to, but it's very dynamic and there's a lot going on. So I find it interesting that you got a lot of women coming to you in the same way I got a lot of women coming to my show. And I thought I was going to be talking to a bunch of, like, you know, four-piece bands, you know, <laughs> five-piece yeah. bands. They're all kind of male-centered. And, and, and I ended up not.
1: Doing it. Yeah. I, I, that's I'm glad to hear it. So I'm not crazy. You just help me make sure that I'm not crazy. So that's my sounding board. You help me realize that, you know, and it, it, it it's strange, right? And and I don't know what it is. I can't pinpoint it yet. I have my suspicions as why um more women are just prone to sharing, but you know, that's neither here nor there. But that's 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 the nature of it. I hope it changes, um, because I'm very open about what I do. Um, and I think men should, should be too. And, 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 and I think, like you said, it's an underserved community. Our women are not getting out. And so you found a niche inside the women and say, Hey, these, these women are, are killing it right now. These yeah, women are doing their thing. They're in some cases, even better. Um, yeah. Kevin O'Leary, Kevin O'Leary, Shark Tank, um, mm-hmm. said his best companies that he invested in that are doing extremely well are the ones that are owned and operated and managed by women. And I think so, they got the
0: fire in their belly. You know, I guess what it is, yeah. is like when you've been in the glass ceiling, right? And I think as black men, we run into that, right? We run, we, there's a black, there's a glass ceiling for black African-American men and, you know, West India or any kind of, you know, African-based uh, people in the world, the way the world's structured. And, and I've run into it. I'm an IT guy. My day job is that I'm in IT. And I look around, I'm like one or two black guys in my department. That's it. And for the last mm. 25 years, that's the way it's been right and i think it's the when you've got that fire in your belly and you're like you're a female ceo or cfo or you're you got your own business you got a sole proprietorship and you got that fire to to succeed and you're trying to show you're trying to prove that you can do it cuz you got that idea and i think it's the same thing like we got we we've got we're driven we've got ideas we want to push out and uh you know we're trying to find other people want to do that and it seems like the women have really got, like I said, they got the fire in their belly. who want to do it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Facts. Hashtag facts. Big facts. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I want more brothers to want to do it. And I'm actually finding more. I've actually, since I started doing uh, it, it, kind of reconfigured my podcast to include other people besides musicians, I've actually picked up a lot more men coming in. Still not as many women, but as, as many as I bring in on, on the, on the female side, but I'm actually getting more, uh people to come in and I think that's that's always cool. I, I want to talk to everybody. And like I said, I talk to people around the world. So have you focused mostly in the US or do you venture into other
1: countries? In so I like, in terms of guests on the show. Yeah. 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 I have I I have I've had several guests from Africa, um Nigeria on the show. And so I venture into other I've had a gentleman from, from England on the show. Um, similar thing. It's just because um, what the United States is doing is not we we treat the United States like it's the center of the universe, and it's not, right? Yeah. And so I love, yeah. When I (laughs) love, I love getting other guests from other countries because their experiences are are can help us also improve. Prime example, African culture. They do not believe in debt. I had a, a gentleman from Egypt. They do not believe in debt when the american society will tell you borrow your way to success and so and so here's someone from nigeria where the culture is everybody everybody puts in everybody chips in everybody supports one another right we don't borrow money we don't go to the bank because nine times out of ten the political corruption is going to prevent you from even getting approved for that loan so the Mm. community chips in and the community works together to build whatever it is the community wants. So if we want to build a house, the community has to put together the resources and money to build a house. If we don't have money, then we have to put in and get the wood and the metal and the bricks. And we got to lay it. who's a good brick builder and all that. So having that mindset can help us, I feel strongly, improve our situation. We're what the national deficit in the United States is what over a trillion dollars in debt. Something yeah. has to change, and so we can look at our brothers and sisters across the water and say, "Well, maybe, maybe I can change this. I can, I can, I can." Yeah, right, guys. So, this yeah. on board. Our,
0: our investment and savings. I lived in Tokyo for two years, from two thousand four to two thousand six. Wow! And I would work for an insurance company we we, we rebranded a, a company. We were actually I was project manager for a big insurance company. Came over there. We we're competing with like Prudential and uh, Japan and MetLife Japan. I was actually with Hartford Life, Japan. And uh, I was there and what we had found is the Japanese retirement community, the Japanese post office a- acts like a savings and loan. And and what the big companies like Mass Mutual, um, well, the Prudentials of the world and the MetLife, were trying to pull that money out of the Japanese post office and get these people to buy IRAs, universal life products, all kinds of variable life products to get that money And we had resistance from the, from the Japanese market. They were like, we don't care. These retirees were like, we don't want to buy that. That's, that's Gaijin. That's, that's an American company. (laughs) It's like, we'd rather go with a Japanese bank and we'd rather keep our money in the post office. because we know what that is? Right. And so we had a, we had to do really heavy marketing campaigns to try to get them to be comfortable. And we had to do it in Japanese language and figure out the culture and it was a really eye-opening thing. to kind of get into a zero-defect mentality. The Japanese, like, I mean, it was in design. And Japanese like design is, the, the, the lowest defect has the highest priority and the highest defect because the overall ideology is zero defect. <laughs> totally yeah. different than an American point of view. American yeah. point of view is if it's a level 10-week-low problem, you don't put as much attention to it. That's not what the Japanese workers would do. And we, we kept on banging heads between American management and Japanese management.
1: It's, it's perfection, right? It's the culture. That's why Toyota does so well, right? Toyota, that car is built very, very well um, because they designed it and they they believe in, like you said, just because this is a small problem, well, let's fix the small problem. And they're going to continue to work on it, work on it and improve it. So you're right. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's why you get the level of uh discipline. You know, there's a there's a level of discipline, like the, the business workers would stay in Tokyo all week and live in capsule hotels. They do crazy hours. And when I was trying to match with my Japanese guys, they're doing like 15, 16 hours and live sleeping in a capsule hotel <laughs> for three hours and then coming back. I said, weren't Come you just here? Way. Yeah, weren't you just here? I was like, yeah, I just took a nap and I'm coming back because I gotta yeah. finish it. Because it was like that whole thing. They had they had this belief that goes back to their like really samurai culture and the Bushido culture and Shintoism is that like they have a lot of pride in what they do yeah. and having a defect shames them. Like they don't feel good about it. They don't like, yeah, well, you know, I can work on that. No, it's like super important. And it actually taught me a lesson in terms of, when you're working, you should really care about what you work. And my grandpa was a coal miner and he built his own house because coal miners had to be plumbers, electricians, carpenters, everything. And so in West Virginia, he built his own house. And so he had that kind of self-reliance that you see, like you were talking about with a in Africa because he was you know, coal miner. My mom was a coal miner's daughter.
1: <laughs> my grandfather was a Navy veteran and he, same thing, he built his own house. So yeah, that that hard work, that 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 mindset, it's it's yeah, you're so right. And and then Japanese culture, um, just speaking to what you just said, I, I think it's incredible. In Japanese schools, the, there's no janitor, there's no janitorial services in in the school system. Um, between a certain grade level, I believe, um, the kids, the children, clean the school. They're very responsible, and it's ingrained in them very early on. That, that that alone would would change the dynamic in our school systems and i think it'll produce a different quality of children if we just i mean that's incredible no janitorial sir the school the children clean the school there's no there's well no also janitorial.
0: just thinking about the environment i living in downtown tokyo and it would be hard pressed to find any garbage on the street and i was there for two years from 2004 to 2006 and it wasn't a joke they did not litter like western or at least u.s people do they just throw their mcdonald's they throw whatever they don't do that and then they also had a thing that was very interesting they kind of all they were all walking down the sidewalk in the same direction and you could always tell somebody that was a foreigner or a gaijin because we're walking like the wrong way when (laughs) because like everybody's walking like you know south and they're and americans walking north on this in the same side of the sidewalk and they, they, they decided like this is this direction should, should only be South. That's it. And everybody did it. And, and they, they very much can, get, are willing to uh, not, um you know, be so individualistic. They, they, they're willing to be more communal, which I think was, it was a big revelation to me when I was in society, they had a tendency to be more kind of socialistic. But they're they capitalist society, but they have socialistic tendencies, which is right.
1: interesting. It is, it is, it's so right.
0: But I think it's just cool to experience different cultures because sometimes we do get a little xenophobic. You know, we do think we're like we're number one, we're number one, number one. And then when you take the math scores, no, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> true. You know, true. You know, you know, you take other countries that people know five languages, and we know barely one. <laughs> it's
1: true. It's true. We're not we're not remaining competitive anymore. And, and you know, I, and don't get me wrong. I got to put this disclaimer out before I get jumped. But I am I I love the United States. I love living in the United States and being born and raised here. Um. But the the trend, the trajectory that we're on, we cannot remain on it. And it, because we won't I don't think we'll remain the superpower if we continue to do and make the kind of decisions we have Um. that we have been making. Um, I was in the navy myself, and so like in the navy, um, you see the navy ships, um, and just experiencing that for myself. And then I had the opportunity to tour a Japanese submarine. Um, their sub, their submarine is night and day, not just in 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 cleanliness or anything like that, but just as technology that they incorporate into their system. Um, am I saying that they're better than us or anything like that? But they, like you said, that perfection mentality keep perfecting on something even if it's the smallest thing it showed it really showed and it was night and day when i went on board that japanese submarine and just seeing it's like wow we we are we are slowly we are lagging behind big way
0: if you you check out tokyo and you look at boston or you look at new york and i was there for two years and it was it had such high technology and then it had the classic shintoism temples In the middle of all this high tech, you have these old temples and people like sitting in the middle of the day and meditating and actually taking time out to meditate, slowing the pace and just going in there and just meditating, being very quiet. And you're like, wow, that's really interesting to have all this high tech and still have this tradition that goes back thousands of years and have it kind of all happening in the same place. And yeah. I think it was just a big revelation to me in terms of how you can, you know, have spirituality, how you can have have like a sense of calm, of realizing that if you're going to work that crazy, you do need to kind of calm yourself. You do need to do meditation. I, I found the Eastern practices actually are very good uh, for, for you, you know, from a mind point of view. Um, I, I just thought that, that it just was a big, big change in my life when I was living
1: there. Now I want a plane ticket now I, I need to go over there <laughs> that's what you've done you've done it you've convinced me I need to go over there again
0: yeah well I need to check some other places out too but um one of the things um i really interested in podcasting was just because of covid the the ability to still connect um to people did you find that the, the, your connections became you know, exponential. Like once I met some one person through a podcast, then I I got in touch with their their circle and then they got me in touch with their circle and then they just kept on cascading. And is that how you are able to kind of keep on growing your podcast?
1: I I think through the connections, yes, because one thing leads to the next, right? So I've gotten... Um, referrals to people and people are like, hey, I I need you to check out this guy. I need you to see what this guy is doing because you, Marcus, you and this guy will go great together. And so um, when the world shut down and people could no longer physically go to you and meet you or speak on a a stage and have those same connection points, we we gravitated to podcasters, Um, YouTube, Google, Netflix, all these um, entertainment industries blew up because people were now at home. And so, yeah, I I did experience that. And it was a huge thing. Now, I I put that caveat out there that I'm an introvert by nature. And so sometimes people would see what I'm doing and they would want to connect with me or they'd want to talk to me or they'd want. And I had to learn because I was growing. I had to learn that as I grow, I have to kind of put some space between there. Mm-hmm. um because i i also caught covid i was hospitalized for for a month and when i caught covid i watched the television show they had it on a loop and the show was um how a social media influencer grew and one of her fans killed her just because oh, yeah. they they loved yeah. her so much like he's hmm. like i gotta have you i gotta have you and so i realized as the podcast grew that I needed to put kind of a, a barrier between these hey Marcus come over here and fly out to New York or fly to DC or Marcus I want to meet you I'm like okay mm-hmm. buddy I need you to step <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah so well, I think that also yeah. Happened too.
0: I've always kept it virtual on the podcast I've never physically met anybody on the podcast just because of that because there's a whole hit of music where there there were famous there was a famous female musician that had the same kind of situation. She was always signing all the autographs on the merch table and a crazy fan came up to her, signed that and he, he shot her. And, you know, musicians, we do have to worry about when we do live shows that you get that fan, that Stan, you know, that just like, they just want to believe everything. You know, Lennon, we lost Lennon because of that. So there's there, there's, there's always got to be some security when you're dealing with, with people because you know, not everybody is, is your friend, you know, they might seem to be, and I like to be open, but you do have to have sense of security for yourself and your family. I've always tried to keep a barrier to a certain extent. I want to be open, but yeah, you do have to be mindful of, you know, not everybody's a a friend.
1: (laughs) Definitely. Definitely. Or just some, some people are just not in a frame of mind, right. To, to, to handle, to handle, um, the, the connection, that connection. Sometimes people are just, they don't connect well and they don't blame well. So yeah, I, I yeah, very true. Very true. You're so right. Huge, But huge the thing, huge.
0: Is there is a point where sometimes like there are collectors uh, of podcasters and people want to go, have you go to a conference. And I think that's appropriate, right? Like, so, so if you've got a bunch of men, a mentor conference or an influencer conference and you get invited. Right. There's nothing wrong with doing that, but you do have to be mindful. Do you have one of your fans like stalking you? Right. <laughs> you know, so you be aware of what you do and be, be have your eyes open. Not that you don't do it. I don't say everybody just stay home, but yeah, you just have to be think. You have to think it out and plan things out. You like you plan things out. You you don't give away things that you don't need to give away for your own security. You know that. I think that's just being smart.
1: Yeah, all the sauce. Don't give out all the sauce. Yeah. I definitely agree. I definitely agree. And like you said, the conferences, the influencer conferences, the podcaster conferences, the networks, those are OK um, with the with the understanding that, hey, you're not going to advertise my hotel. You're not going to advertise
0: tell me my room number.
1: <laughs> right. Right. So, yeah, there's definitely some security that has to to, to focus around that. And I'm not there yet, um, but yeah. I, I do want to graduate to the platform where, you know, I can invite a guest on the show and there's a live stage um and an active audience a participating audience i do want to gravi- graduate to that and i will um but even that like there's going to be a heavier screening process I, far heavier than how i screen and my team screens um applicants now um it's going to be even more intense because you're next to me we're on the couch together and we're talking yeah yeah so, and then
0: the the, the the choice is do you actually go book a space for that to make sure it's not your home space. And I know there are some people that's like, well, yeah, I'm buying someone, yeah, but that that's always a dangerous thing. See, like if you, st- you know, it might work out fine, yeah. and then until you get that one person where it doesn't work out, <laughs> so it, exactly. it, it, it it's kind of cool. I've always thought to build like a separate studio or rent a studio if I ever go to do that, or I actually go and set it up. So I go to a hotel and I set it up, and I get a permission that I'm going to actually record in this area and you give me like a conference room and I can do it. And so you just book it. And then you at least have the control, you're in a public space, that you booked it, you have like a trail, you you can use the hotel security to make sure somebody has to come in. Yeah, you, there's things you can do uh, where you can get it more in, in a more controlled situation where you can like I feel comfortable, I could have a physical guest come in and meet me because I'm not just by myself. <laughs>
1: Great. Exactly. Exactly. Absolutely. Don't want to be the Kobe Bryans of the world. Rest in peace. Rest in peace.
0: Yeah, it's just, uh, but I think the future of podcasting is just wide open. I think that we, we this as a community that, you know, we're, we're building collectives like music collectives. You know, if you see within music, that's a successful kind of strategy now is for bands to be part of collectives. And when they go on tour, there's like 10 acts all part of this collective and they take over the house they take over the festival podcasters are starting to do that too they're starting to do these big collectives of podcasters they then can get like an audience to go to a convention and have like 10,000 people come see you and then then you're starting to get into that area where you're 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 inter- you're an entertainer you're you're filling a you're filling a venue you know right. you're getting per percentage of that ticket yeah.
1: <laughs> It's true. It's true. People who are able to influence change. Um, and I think more than podcasting, I think we're entering the entertainment, like you said, the entertainment space. And so as as podcasts grow in notoriety and podcasters grow in notoriety, we slowly become influencers who can shift a room in the direction that I need people to pay attention on. If there's a, a natural disaster who, whose podcast can I go on to speak about a particular thing to shift the focus real quick or shift the focus to something that really um, so we're becoming rock stars um, in this industry um, because we're entering the entertainment space. And so if you can, if you on your show can shift the audience to say, hey, there is a need over here. Um, that's where companies are going to put energy and dollars and capital behind. And so, like you said, we can all come to a room and say, we want Marcus, we want um, Phantom, we want Phantom, we want this influencer, this influencer. And we want to put them because they hold the, 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 the audience that we want to speak to, to this, this dynamic, this thing. So, yeah, you're right. Yeah,
0: it's like, the, because, you know, if you think about like rock and roll kind of fell out and now we're in the hip hop age, we're in the like, you know, electronic music age. And, you know, we're in the TikTok age where a lot of humor. A lot of what a lot of what drives even the music is like a, is a is a comedy type of aesthetic. You know, that's what's really kicking on Twitter on reels. Those are the things that are going. And if you all of us who are like, well, what about the funk? <laughs> <laughs> How do I do a TikTok about like 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 funk and like funk and these kids just want to see me like making some kind of Saturday Night Live type of joke? And I'm yeah. like, well, you know,
1: I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you gotta be really good, right? I think TikTok and all these um, social platforms are really weeding out the pretenders, right? Because yeah. you see singers, I you come across singers on TikTok on social media, but they're really, really good, right? Yeah. They're really good. You can't sit there and pretend anymore. You can't. You can't fake it anymore. And that's why I think people gravitate to the media and the the comedy part, because I can I can I can make you laugh. but I may not be a good singer. And so I think and and that came out that happened to a young lady where she was she had a million followers, a million followers. And then she bought a venue because she wanted to sell her product. She had started making um, jewelry. Mm -hmm. No one showed up. Not one single person showed up because the following she built was geared for something else. They were geared to to this and you, you tried to pivot to this and no one, no one originally supported that in the first place. You built the wrong audience.
0: That's the thing that a lot of musicians I've talked to have been scared of the TikTok kind of comedy because they would have to radically, let's say if they were like an emo artist or you're a hard kind of driving hip hop artist and you're talking about gritty urban areas and then suddenly in order to get engagement, you got to do some kind of comedy thing.
1: Yeah, be funny. Well, you yeah. Get,
0: yeah, you get like a million hits, but that's a different audience. It's not your core audience. Maybe your core audience is 200,000. You got a million hits for this thing. Those million people aren't going to want to get into your hardcore crime rap. You know, yeah. they got into you because they, you did something funny. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. To, to To start the fire. Yeah. Or you gotta if you're emo, you have to make a joke about emo and grab that audience that way through the comedy. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and then you might lose your hardcore audience that's willing to buy your merch. Cause they you sold not. out. <laughs> <laughs> you betrayed us. You exactly. betrayed us. It's like, it's like oh, now you're done. Cause like those are the guys that actually paid the tickets.
1: <laughs> exactly. So exactly. so you
0: do have to be careful. I think you have to kind of know who you are. I think you gotta be uh, I think is that that's the core. I think when you got into this, you you have to feel confident when you start doing like a video podcast. You have to learn how how you you can be you know one within yourself before you can talk to anybody else. In my opinion, you have,
1: you have to have substance. I know a lot of people. There's a lot of people that follow me um, that started podcasting because they saw me podcasting, um, and I podcast on a very a very high level and so they saw me and they're like i could do podcasts a lot of them don't podcast today because they they got into it and they're like man this is work how does because they thought they could do it and mm-hmm. they didn't have the material to stay in the game they didn't have the 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 core the substance to stay in it so same thing with like music if you don't like you said if you don't have it in here if you don't feel it if this is just a trend if this is just a hobby um, you're not gonna, you're not gonna last. You're not gonna stay in. Yeah. Like, again, I've hit been wonder. here. <laughs> you, yeah, a one-hit wonder, and, and we've seen many of those—the little bow-wows of the world, the chingies of the world, the the, the just in and out, the lollipop um, girl. My hip hop, what she said. My hip hop is popping. My hip hop is cool. You ain't hear about none of those off. off um, what is author, typical trend in, Well,
0: I mean, even going back to Motown days. Like the the trend in music always was like the writers would pass a song around multiple bands within Motown and multiple bands would do it until one of them hit. And then that song, unless, you know, it didn't always mean that that whole band's going to be successful. was like, that's a Smokey song or that's a Marvin Gaye song, or that's the, the Funk Brothers wrote that song. Right. True. So it's gold and anybody who sings it right is going to get gold, so, but you've got to do it right. <laughs> True. You know, but, um, yeah, I think the problem today is, is like, you don't have this kind of, you know, in my opinion, I look at a guy like Stevie Wonder. Look like at Songs in the Key of Life. Mm-hmm. That album is, like, fantastic. Like, everything on that album is gold. And it, it it's, it's long, and it's deeper than most people will go today. Most people won't go that deep. They just want to hear something they can jog to, something they can do to make, make their coffee to. They don't want to listen to something as heavy as Saturn. Or as heavy as village ghetto land, they don't got the time. They're trying to. They're trying to. How are you gonna to listen to music if you don't don't take the time to listen to
1: it? <laughs> yeah, they they don't want to listen to a story. There's a story. There's a message, right? Yeah. And that's how artists back in the day got their their you know the trials of the time, right? Rap, especially rap, right? Police on um, police brutality, killing black people. That's yeah, yeah. how they express their voice. That's how they got out the word, like, hey, they're killing us out mm-hmm. here they're not and it's like oh now people yeah. are paying attention because there's a message in it now it's just like what's was it munch <laughs> scroll down munch i'm munching <laughs> like what what is well, that the, uh, right? yeah
0: the attention span because everybody's on their twitter everybody's on their reel everybody's getting messages and they don't have time to listen to a five minute song right they just don't have it you know i'm old school i still listen to vinyl i still listen to my a track i will listen to the whole thing but that is not what the kids listen to. They listen to like two minutes. You know, I'm listening to the eight track version of songs of the key of life because I still have it. It still works, and and um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it is to me as like I don't know. My papa got me into that. He would make me sit and listen to a whole Nat King Cole record. He'd make me listen to Marvin Gaye, "What's Going On," the whole thing. He said, "You need to listen. Don't no. I don't want you reading your comic book. Don't be reading doing anything else. Listen to the record." And and he he was a a big music fan, and he kind of got me into it because he really took it serious as a fan. He wanted to listen to, like, everything and not be distracted. And my mom used to hate that because she'd be like, David, don't you need to do something? Hey, it's listening time. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but. Love it. it We need to get back to that. I think some kids are into it. They do listen to vinyl. They get it they know you don't skip a vinyl. You know, there are kids who like to go buy vinyl and some of those kids are engaging artists like my, myself and people who are more serious, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, candy music or like I call it like fast food music. You know, that's the kind of, we had the fast food structure to music where it's like, Oh, get it while it's hot and then it's gone. Yeah.
1: <laughs> get in, get out. What's what's next? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, was, that was the other thing too. with Cassettes, like I remember having an old cassette player. Like you couldn't skip to the next song. You couldn't. You had to listen to that song, let it play. Um, you could fast forward, but then you might miss the the intro. Or you might miss the the yeah, instrumentals. You were less likely to do it. You less Yeah, you had to listen to the whole thing, and it, you know, and then you take your pencil and you crank it and rewind. It. <laughs> <laughs> But the
0: weird thing, it seems like hip hop and rap will get people to listen to a whole project, but popular music is stuck in this kind of like, uh, really kind of destructive structure where people just clone each other, and it's a lot of repetition. And it kind of like it can destroy the genre if you have too many producers doing the same thing. You get cloning, and like you said, you had people that saw you and then they kind of cloned your podcast and they fell off. That happens in music all the time. You get you know you get one Beyonce and you get a hundred Beyonce's. Right. And then everybody said, well, they're not, re- that's not really Beyonce. And maybe they have a hit, but there's like, everybody's going to go with, if I want to listen to Beyonce, I'm going to listen to Beyonce. Right.
1: The <laughs> or original,
0: the original, not the, not the clone, like the Beatles, like, are you going to listen to the monkeys? Or are you going to listen to the Beatles? <laughs> right. You
1: know, the, the clone
0: or the real thing.
1: That's so true. That's so true. It's, it's, it's so many, there's a lot of watering down. And that's why whenever I meet a young person that sits there and said, um, I met one today, actually, um, at a gas station. He's like, oh, I'm a rapper. I said, okay. I mean, and to me, I don't want to kill his dreams or aspirations. Mm-hmm. But unless you really have something different to talk about, or you have an edge or a voice, it's the same. It's, 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 and, and, I, I feel for for young men or young women who sit there and say, "Oh, I'm different. I'm I'm my rap is fire. My rap is hard." Well, what what makes it hard? What are you talking about? Are you talking about sex, drug, um, bees and hoes? And what are you talking about? If it's the same thing, it's the same thing. It's been yeah. done. So what yeah, else it, you got?
0: You know, it, like to me, it's like if you look at it like a Dale of Soul, Dale of Soul approach rap from a psychedelic kind of point of view, which is super unique even to this day. Three foot high and rising doesn't sound like anything else. Nobody really sounds like them. Prince. Right? Public, yeah. Public enemy with, with the bomb squad. Yeah. They will use a noise. They will yeah. use really interesting samples that are on top of samples on top of samples to a point where their structure of their samples is art in itself. It, like yeah. music producers look at how they did it. And it's not just like ice ice baby. It's actually really layered understanding that music and pay pay, putting things on top of each other like dr dre does that too but there's a certain level of artistry to certain levels of um that type of clip based work and some people are lazy and just take a bait a beat like ice ice baby which is a bowie queen song and then just put different lyrics on top of it right or do you do something more intelligent and you actually try to create something that has some kind of what are you saying like you said are you saying something unique that has never been said before or your take on it, that's unique you're coming from a different perspective. If you're not, then like, what are you doing?
1: Nothing. <laughs> the same thing. Same yeah. thing. You're right. You're so right.
0: Well, I think uh, we've almost hit an hour and that's with our distributors. They kind of like us to keep it to that. So I know we've had a good discussion. It's gone in different directions. Kind of like I like to do the jam band type of thing so i hope everybody has has liked what we've done here today we do have your link to your youtube um channel there and we want to make sure everybody checks out the link it will be clickable when it gets published on spotify podcast and when it's published on the final publications on twitch twitter youtube and facebook you'll be able to click that and do support the people that we uh have on and i do encourage everyone to check out your your podcast because you know and subscribe this is one big thing i always try to tell people if somebody's got a youtube take the time to hit the subscribe button because if you took the time to watch it please take the time to subscribe it's very important to the individual creator that's out there so i hope that you can do that i love the fact that you came on the show today thank you very much
1: thank you for having me it is a true honor thank you for for Having me on your show, an incredible show. This has been incredible. This has been great.
0: Thank you.